0: Today's episode of The Ride is brought to you by Cosequin, the number one veterinary recommended joint health supplement brand.
1: to the Ride podcast. I'm Michaela, And I'm Nicole. And this episode, we are chatting with Crystal McNutt. And if you are a fan of Horse and Rider, then you know Crystal McNutt. We have worked with her in the past. She's been on the cover. Nicole and I have done a lot of stuff with her, as well as other editors with Horse and Rider. So we have a lot of content with her on our website. So if you aren't familiar with her, check out Crystal McNutt on horseandrider.com.
0: Yeah. Crystal was a really cool interview, not only because she's a female reigning trainer, which I feel like we don't have enough of those in the industry. Um, but she also shows arabians and half arabians, which is a lot different than what most people probably are used to when they hear raining horse trainer. So it's really cool to learn more about the Arabian breed um and and what Crystal really appreciates about them and and how they differ from a quarter horse when it comes to preparing to show them in the raining, but also why they make great reining horses.
1: Yeah. And I know I learned a lot about the Arabian horse breed when talking to Crystal. So if you know, you know, minimal about the breed, even this is a great interview to listen to.
0: Yeah, and speaking of Crystal, not only have we done this podcast with her, but our senior editor Jenny Forsberg Meyer, uh she has a blog that she writes every month and we are taking one of her blog articles that she just finished with Crystal and we're going to put it in the Horse and Rider monthly. So Uh, if you haven't subscribed to horse and rider monthly, you can go onto our website and learn more about the monthlies. We also have a trail rider monthly. And, um, what we're doing is we're putting any kind of content that we can't fit into the magazine and we're creating content to go into these monthlies because we want to provide you guys with as much content as possible, even though we only go to print four times a year. So if you, um, are a fan of crystals and want to learn more about her training techniques and just her as a trainer, uh, be sure to check out our November horse and rider monthly, because that is the one that it'll be in.
1: And, uh, one key thing to know is that these are absolutely free. They don't cost anything. You just sign up for them and they come directly to your email inbox every single month.
0: So in other current events that, um, are happening right now, obviously a lot of the world shows are underway and, um, championship season's getting started. Uh, But the APHA World Show just happened, and at the APHA World Show, they actually had an IHSA um, event for the collegiate riders, so they took 12 riders who are um, part of the IHSA, and they had an invitational class, and it sounds like it was a lot of fun, and it was a big success, and people donated their horses who were at the horse show to use, so these kids had a chance to ride some really cool horses at the World Show, which... Um, as somebody, I didn't compete in IHSA. I competed in the NCAA, which is now the NCEA, I believe. But, um, so it's a little different because mine was considered a division one NCAA sport. And then the IHSA is a club sport. So it's a little different when it comes to scholarships and all that. But, you know, we kind of have the same caliber of horses and, um, you know, and the horses are getting better. Now, when I was in college, this was just starting this program. Um, so there wasn't a ton of experience or knowledge about it. And it was kind of being built as I was there, but, um, the horses that you get at the schools are usually either retired or they're, they have injuries or they just weren't good show horses. And there's a reason that they get donated to the school. So, um, when you go to a horse show, like the world show and you have the top horses in the country and you possibly get to ride and show one of them, that's the really cool experience. So it sounds like it was a lot of fun and Uh, was really successful so congrats to the 12 riders that were asked to even be a part of this
1: yeah that's so exciting to be able to do something like that and like you said be able to hop on some of the best horses in the country when that's not always the case that they're able to do and speaking of some of the best horses in the country and other horse shows going on we just wrapped up the arizona fall championships in scottsdale arizona Horse and Rider did coverage of the event, so you can find articles on our website and go on Instagram and go look at takeovers that we did and our highlight features, so that way you can get caught up on everything that happened at the Arizona Fall Championships, which was a lot of fun from the looks of it. We received a lot of photos, and contestants looked like they, they were having the time of their lives in Arizona, despite not being able to go to Ohio this year for the Quarter Horse Congress.
0: Yeah, like we mentioned earlier, so uh, the Congress was canceled this year, and that always takes place in Ohio, but the Arizona Fall Championship was always going to happen. It just a lot of people have to choose between the congress or the champ- the fall championships. Um some people do go to both. That's a lot of work especially considering the AQHA World Show piggybacks off the congress. So that's a, that's a long month and a half for riders, horses, everybody. So um most people choose one or the other. So a lot of people who would generally go to the congress ended up in Arizona this time around. So it was huge. They had some really cool events. I know that Bud Lyon, horse and rider on the main contributor and just a horse and rider regular, he won this really cool ranch riding derby that had a bunch of money added. And then Laurel Denton, who's another horse and rider contributor, also had some really great success in the ranch riding events. Um, and then as Michaela mentioned earlier, we had some, some takeovers on our Instagram account. And those girls, there was two different days of them and they're all world champion riders. And so it's just really cool to to see what their experience at the horse show was like and they interviewed some of the people that were there some of the kids um they interviewed tim kimura who's the the man of trail and does all the trail courses there so um yeah if you didn't get a chance to follow the instagrams while they were going on michaela set up a highlight so that you can check them all out and and see what was going on there there
1: And then some more fun things that are going on with the horse and rider brand is the fact that we are doing a lot more videos with your favorite trainers and a lot more disciplines and events to add to our horse and rider on demand platform. So whether you're able to work with a trainer daily or not, this is a great platform that you can sign up for and watch all kinds of videos. I know as a barrel racer, we have barrel racing videos, which are interesting and great to watch, and I love them. But I also love watching our other videos with Brad Barkemeyer and Bud Lyon to learn more about the reining and the cow horse, because those things, those key fundamentals of horsemanship, just apply to everything, and I think it makes me a better barrel racer in the end.
0: Well, and we're noticing a lot of cow horse barrel racing crossover lately. Um, Ron Rawls is a name that sticks out to me is obviously he's a very successful cow horse trainer, but he's been doing a lot of clinics with barrel racers and working with professional barrel racers to help them in the arena. So I think, um, I think it's really great to get outside of your event and learn from other people to to see what fits your horsemanship ability. And yeah, so um, like Michaela said, we have barrel racing videos, but um, a lot of our other videos that Brad and Bud have done are just really great horsemanship videos. So even if you don't show, they're they're gonna help you become a better rider, and they're gonna teach you how to get your horse to be responsive with your hand and your leg, and just get him to do maneuvers that are going to be helpful, whether you're just trail riding or you have cattle that you have to move from one pasture to another. It's, it's just super helpful. But yeah, I also use them, uh, even though I was there to, to produce the videos with Brad and Bud, I use their videos all the time to help me in my cow horse journey, because Brad is so great at explaining the cow stuff, um, to where a beginner like me understands it because sometimes, the cow lingo can get a little confusing because you're not, you know, you don't understand it. And I'm I'm sure the same goes for trail racing or reining or whatever, but, um, Brad has such a great way of breaking down the basics to me and to, for me to understand. And then I also love, um, you know, learning from bud for some of the reining stuff, because I, I love taking some of the stuff I learned from the reining and putting it into the cow horse in the reined work, especially, um, which I mean, obviously they're similar, but they're different. And I like learning from the rainers to see how they're getting a horse to stop. And then learning from the cow horse guys to see how they're getting a horse to stop and they're different. So it's really cool to take all those pieces and kind of figure out what works for me.
1: Yeah. And then we're also adding fitness videos, which I think is a super added bonus because Nicole and I are both really into fitness and we both have realized how large of a role it has played in our riding after we've, you know, started a routine with fitness. So we are working with Kelly Auschwager, who we have done an episode with on the ride. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. And then maybe go watch her fitness videos on horse and rider on demand, because it's just a great addition that, okay, you go out, you ride your horse and then maybe you come in and watch a fitness video because it's part of the platform. So why not utilize that?
0: Well, and especially right now with coronavirus going on, I know a lot of people, myself included, have been doing more at-home workouts. Uh, It just seems to be a safer option right now. And it's kind of become my routine. I used to always go to the gym to work out, but now my routine has kind of shifted to where most of my gym time is spent at my house. So these workouts are fantastic if you are somebody who would prefer to work out at home or at your barn or, or wherever, but Kelly is amazing. Uh, not only is she a fitness expert, but she rides and shows reiners. She trail rides. She back, her husband is, is an outfitter. So she spends a lot of time in the, in the outdoors and, you know, and so, um, she has a really great way of working with riders specifically to make sure that we're staying strong enough to where we're not physically hurting ourselves. I know that like, if my legs aren't strong, my knee starts getting, um, pain in it. And so she she really helps uh, to keep people strong and in shape and just, you know, ready to ho- show or ride or do whatever it is you want to do on a horse.
1: Yeah, so if you're interested in any of those videos that we talked about, go to ondemand.horseandrider.com and check them out. We offer promos all the time, so you can get them at a discounted rate even and join at a lower cost, or you can subscribe for a yearly membership. We have so many options for you guys.
0: And right now we're offering a free seven day trial. So go ahead, sign up. Um, we don't charge your credit card until after the seventh day. So you can kind of learn if this is going to be the right video thing, video platform for you. But
1: I think, um, I think everybody would really love it. So from here, I think we will jump into this interview with Crystal. is the number one veterinarian recommended joint health supplement brand
0: with cosequin original cosequin optimized with msm cosequin asu and cosequin asu plus there's a formulated suited for all horses at any stage of life
1: learn more at cosequine that's
0: c-o-s-e-q-u-i-n equine.com
1: when performance matters choose cosequin
0: Hey guys today we are here with crystal mcnutt who you probably are very familiar with because she has been a horse and rider contributor for a long time now um thank you for ha- thank you for joining us today crystal for having me so uh you're you're obviously a reigning horse trainer and we've done a lot of content with you for the raining, but you also work with uh half arabians which i feel like is a really cool thing considering a lot of the raining trainers that we've worked with in the past are just the either work with the quarter horses or the paint horses. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about how you got your start in the raining and how you ended up, uh, doing some of the half Arabian stuff and kind of bringing attention to the sport of raining in the Arabian world?
2: When I was, um, like three, my dad got me a pony and, um, they started, uh, watching me. And of course I was out of control. So they got me lessons. Long story short, went to the feed store, got me writing lessons. It was with an Arabian trainer. They didn't know anything about what, you know, they just didn't want me to die. So we started with that. And the lady I became that I started writing with, um, was really into, um, stock seat equitation or reigning seat equitation back in the day. And, um, got me hooked up on the West Coast with a guy named Billy Harris. And so it just evolved that I started as uh, five years old, riding with him. I was the youngest person to go top 10 in the air stock seed equitation in the um, late 80s and early 90s. And it just kind of evolved from that. I did a lot of equitation. I did the medal finals. Um, And then when I decided not to go to college or I went to college for a minute. And when I decided that really wasn't for me, uh, I started training horses or I went to work with people. And the reigning for me um, was just, I thought it was more fair. You had the judging, you know, the point system and it wasn't quite um, as judgy, I should say. Um, but I'd always ridden Arabs and the, the Arabs are just something I wanted to do it with. I, I didn't really know any different. Um, so I've, I, I love the Arabs. I've ridden Arabs my whole life. Um, and I'm just really lucky where I am in Arizona, I can work with some of the best reigning trainers in the country and I take my half Arabs and get help and, and try to up the game in the Arabian industry to where we are at least, you know, still kind of have the education. We might not have, um, as athletic of horses, but still have the education and the same, same thing. So they, they look like reigning
0: horses. Well, I have to say, I've I've seen quite a bit of the Arabian uh, reining, and it it's amazing. Those horses are killer, and um, I've seen Andrea Fapani show them. Obviously, I've seen you show them. I mean, there's a lot of people who are you know bringing attention to the Arabian reining.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's it's really it's a um, we need we need people really bad in the Arabs, you know, and and we need information, and it's really cool when those guys will take the reins and show up because it. It just is a real, I think, feather in the in our cap as far as the Arabians. That those guys will ride them because you know they've ridden the best of the best. So you know if they'll come over and ride an Arab, that's. And I'm not saying anything about the Arabs, but you know we we worked really hard to bring raining into the um, Arabians and and make it um, at least a sport because you know before we weren't breeding them to do the reining. They were they were whatever didn't make it in a different discipline. So, um, that's, so, so it's cool. I mean, we've got some out of great quarter horse mares, We've got some by great quarter horse stallions now and, and it's, it's just really changed the the whole game of it.
1: So what was it about the Arabians that made you stick with them throughout your journey into reigning and not transition into just the strict quarter horse or paint industry?
2: It's what I knew. Um, you know, I knew the Arab people. I knew it was like, it's like home, you know, i I love the air, Arab, the Arabian breed. I like the people. I've known it forever. You know, I grew up in it. Um, so, some of that is just, it's very, it's comfortable. You know, it's my home. So, I, I really like that. And, um, but I also want to challenge myself. So, I want to be the best at it. I don't, I don't want to just go, oh, okay, I just, okay, this is great. You know, I want to up the game and, and make, um, and make them look at these horses like, oh, those are good horses. Cause that's, that's part of it. And, you know, anytime, Andrea or Martin or any of those guys have jumped on one of my horses. It's like, it's really rewarding when they're like, this is a nice horse because it's, that's just cool. But no, I, I just, I stuck with the Arabs. It's, it's my, it's my home. It's, it's where I, it's my place. So.
1: And I know that sometimes Arabians can get a different rap and, you know, not everybody loves the Arabians. So what is it about them that you love so much and why you continue to ride them? I know that they, they, can be extremely athletic and great at certain things. So what makes them so great for crossing into the reigning?
2: You know, I think um, about 15 years ago, they got the futurity going for us for the Arabian and half Arabian, and it had quite a bit of money. And that was a big deal. A bunch of guys got together. And I, I think for me with the Arabians, it was just making it better. That's, that's what I wanted to Kind of evolve. I've watched the NRHA. I've watched all that. And I've dabbled in that a little bit, um, but I've watched and I've always wanted to evolve. And I, I wanted the Arabians to be thought of as athletes and do it. And I, I think, you know, what for me, I have a very good spot for me. I um, have a really good um, base of clients. Um, I, I have a ton of non-pros and it's just a place that I'm successful and I want to ride the best horses and make the best horses. And I have the ability with this breed to do that
0: they really are a versatile breed. I know, um, I've, I've, I've recently gone into the cow horse stuff and, um, I've seen a few Arabian cow horses and they're super cowy, and they're athletic and they're fast and it's really cool to watch.
2: You know, it's, it's pretty amazing, um, that, that breed can do so much. I mean, they can, they have the, the English, they have the hunter, they have the Western, they have the, all of it. And so it's pretty cool to see, but I think the breeding over the years has really changed. Cause I mean, it's, it's, you see the half arabs and I mean, they really have the characteristics of the saddlebred or the quarter horse or whatever it is. And, um, those are, uh, it's just, it's just really cool to, to see that and be at one place and see how different the horses are.
1: So earlier you kind of mentioned you worked under some trainers as you got into the reining. Who are some of the people that you got your feet in with as you started the reining?
2: You know, I rode, even though I was from, um, uh, I'm from Texas, I, my dad shipped me out to the, to the West coast and rode with, um, quite a few people over there. But as I got my start, I, I moved out here to actually work for, um, Brett Stone and John Slack. And that was kind of a short, cause he, they were transitioning and I was not, I was like 18. So I didn't really know what I was wanting to do. I just wanted to ride and, you know, do something. Um, but I have been really mostly because I'm hard-headed I go get help from a lot of people you know I uh, Bob Avila I spend a lot of time with him Andrea Fapani Martin Yulstetter I mean and I'm not opposed to asking questions and getting help and 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 just taking it um, so that's probably be the biggest way I've gotten help I didn't work under a ton of people I just rode with a lot of people
0: well and I think that's really important is having horse trainers working with horse trainers because I think the beauty about the sport is that you are never done learning and there's always something else to learn and always something to help improve so it's really cool that you have those resources and literally just probably right next door because Scottsdale all of you guys are just right down the street from each other
2: oh no it's great I mean I have uh Bob's two blocks from me and Andrea's I don't know, five blocks from me and Martin's right there too. So, I mean, we just kind of, I, and, and I'm just one of those people. I, I have learned over the years you can make mistakes, but you go to those places and you make mistakes in front of them and then they'll help you. If you don't make those mistakes in front of them, you know, and um, Bob helped me get ready for the half year maturity this year. And, you know, he's, he's got different eyes than Andrea has. And and that's part of it. And, And just finding your niche of people that work for you. You know, I, I used to, when I was younger, I would get help from a lot of people and it was a lot of different ideas and I've now kind of have my own thing, but then I know what works for me now. And so I try to stick to those, those people cause it, it works for me.
1: Yeah. Well, those people work for you. Like those horses work for you because you are a unique person riding a unique style of horse. So do you have a most memorable horse or a horse that really stands out to you within your career that you think has really pushed you towards the top?
2: You know, I have had a couple really nice half Arabs. I mean, I've had a lot of really nice half Arabs, but in the last few years, I rode a, a half Arab that was um, bought by Custom Chrome out of an Arab mare. And um, he's just one of those really special horses. His name's Custom Gale. He's just really a, just a, just an athlete, you know, and everything he does is just, I mean, he's just cool. He looks like a quarter horse. He's really strong. He's, you know, everything about him, but he's just been a real, I mean, I've won the nationals three or four times on him. I won the faturity on him. He's just one of those horses. You just is special. Um, but he's like 11 now. And then I have a five-year-old, um, that's an Arabian stud and then out of a mare name, uh, memorable affair that I won the faturity on. And he's, he's also, just as special, but in a different, you know, they're different horses. He's more new, you know, he's a newer style because he's a little bit younger. So it's interesting to even see that um, in the half Arabs.
1: Yeah, well, I know custom Gale has actually been on the cover of horse and rider. So that's really exciting. And then recently, you and I worked together on another article, and he was in there for the bravest horse. And I've learned a lot about him recently. And I, I agree, you know, he's a cool horse. And I like what you said about the younger horse being a different style because it's interesting to see, you know, as the years go on, what changes and what works for those younger horses as well.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. And no, he's Custom Dale's been very special, and he was probably one of the best horses I've ever trained. And just, he's just such an athlete. You know, it's just, it's so different when you start riding these horses that are bred to do it. You know, for so long, I rode stuff that wasn't bred to do it. We just did it. And, you know, did the best we could and, and did great. Just, it was just different. And now you start breed, riding stuff that's bred to do it. And wow, it's a whole different, whole different ball game. And not all the times it work when you breed them and you think it's all going to work. But I mean, when you get a few, it's, it's pretty, it's, it changes the game completely.
0: Uh, speaking of breeding, is there, is there any crosses between the quarter horses and the Arabians that you're really loving right now? I mean, I would imagine that it depends on the mare and the sire, just like anybody else, but are there any that you're really gravitating towards?
2: You know, it's, there's so many different, <laughs> there's not really, and one thing that has worked has been the Hollywood Dunnett crosses. That's been great on the Arabs for years and years and years. Even if you went back in the nineties, that was a really good cross, um, but, you know, now we've got we've got everything from Little Joe Cash to Frozen Enterprise to Ma. You know, so I, I those are just kind of starting to come up. So I can't I don't I don't know yet what where where we are on that because we've we've got such we've got some new breeding that even they're doing in the quarter horse stuff. So it's kind of fun to see where these where they're gonna go. I guess I should say. I mean, we've got some Whiskey and Diamonds. Um, I've liked all of those so far. Um, really athletic. Really pretty you know, it's, it's all over my, I have a little Joe cash four-year-old. That's just, he's beautiful. He, he does all the stuff. So it's just, it's kind of everywhere right now. I don't, I don't know.
1: No, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, I'm really into breeding and I think that that's interesting hearing about them being crossed on the Arabs because the Arabian breed is something that, you know, growing up, I, I knew about them, but I don't know. It's, ton about the breed, and I mean, I don't know if some of our listeners would feel the same way, but can you describe some of the breed characteristics and what makes them the breed that they are?
2: You know what most people think when they see an Arab is like a statue, right? They see the pretty face and the high neck and the high tail and the big eyes and big nostrils, right? and the high set neck because that's what they are. um when when they started riding arabians back, you know um bazillion years ago, um, they were meant to cross the desert. They can last a long time. They have, you know, uh, they are drinkers of the wind type of horses. And that's what most people think an Arab is, you know, as, but, you know, you have different types of Arabs and you have the ones that, you know, the Polish and you have the Russian and there's all Krabbit. I mean, there's all these different types of horses and for the reigning, I have found for me, the Krabbit and the Polish and the Russian horses are the ones that are a little lower to the ground, little, little deeper hawk. Um, but they're not as big, so they're not crossing, they are crossing, but it's just different for the pleasure, because they have the real leggy, longer, you know, bigger horses than than I want to ride, but, um, so, I mean, I think that's the problem, is most people that think of an Arab think of a halter horse, and yes, we love a beautiful Arab, no doubt, but that's, that's not really what we're riding, you know, they're, they're different than that, they're, they actually have um, quite a bit of depth to these horses, and bone, and feet, and, and they're They've been bred over the years to be sturdy horses, but you don't, that's not what most people see.
1: No, I agree with that because, I mean, that's kind of the picture I have in my mind when I think of an Arabian is kind of the pretty dainty, super small build type of horse and not when I saw photos of, and I didn't really know that there were so many types of Arabians, but it makes sense. Just like the quarter horses, there are different types of quarter horses and their breedings and stuff.
2: Yeah. And I don't know, you know, I wish I was better on, I mean, I've been in Arabs my whole life, but we didn't breed anything. I just kind of, my dad traded stuff, (laughs) traded stuff for me to have a horse and that's how it went, you know? And um, we just, he liked the raining, we liked the raining, And uh, that's just kind of how I I stayed in that. But, you know, like I never try to make them not look like an Arab, but we fit them. Like, I think that's the difference is, They've got quite a bit of muscle mass and I, I feed them like an athlete, you know, so these were strong and, and so they don't look spindly. So if you walk through my barn, anybody that's ever walked through can't believe that they're Arabs and half Arabs. Most of them, I mean, they're like, wow, I mean, maybe the pretty face or this and that, but I mean, they're fit. It's just what I'm around, you know, the people I'm around and I ride with, that's how their horses are fit. So I want athletes like that, breeding horses.
0: Yeah. I was going to say when I first joined the brand five years ago now or something um we were doing a piece with you and I at the time did not know that you worked with Arabians I thought you were just a a reigning horse trainer and and I saw the photos and I I would have thought they were just quarter horses at first glance because yeah they are stocky they have you know the muscle muscle on their butt and like I mean they move like the the reigning horses you would expect to move like you know yeah they look I mean they look like the reigning horse that you want to have
2: well, and that's what I, that's my biggest thing is not to make it a breed is to make it a sport. Right. And so if that's the breed that I do, you might go, Oh, it looks a little different, but it does the stuff, you know, so it, it doesn't take away from, Oh, you ride Arabian raining, you know, but I'm also careful. Like with my Arabs, I don't put them in the open derby if they're, I mean, I'm not going to take them somewhere they're not capable of being, you know, some of the ones I've had, you know, what possibly if, if in the right situation would I put them there, but I, I, always want to promote the breed the best I can, you know, and myself, because, you know, let's face it, I want to be good. I don't want to go out there and get beat if I can't, you know, if I can help it. So it's just, um, it's just trying to promote it the, the best way we can.
0: Well, and I think, um, it, especially going to the World Equestrian Games a couple of years ago, um, it was really cool to see other breeds competing in the raining because there is so much more out there than just the quarter horse or the stock horse that you would think of. I think, um in particular, it was the Brazilian's Criollo horse um, that really caught my attention because they, you know, they they don't look like a quarter horse. They they've got these tiny little legs, but I mean those those things were amazing. They were probably my favorite horses to watch at the World Equestrian Games.
2: Well, it's I always tell people a good horse is a good horse. You know, I mean I I can appreciate you know a great dressage horse, great hunter jumper, a great you know all that stuff. Whatever it is, you see a great horse is a great horse, and I think that's the the key to most people. And with a breed is just highlighting the best part of what you're doing. You know, and I think that, you know, Arabians get pigeonholed into they're just the pretty horse to look at. And that's that's what they're I I get it. I've seen them. <laughs> you know, I mean they're beautiful, but I don't that's not really what um that's they're they're not all about that. You know, there's there's a bunch of those, but they're not all about that
1: am I wrong or can Arabians be kind of tricky ones with their minds and how you have to work with them because they might be one to hold the grudge or, you know, be a little bit more sensitive. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard because our,
2: we have set the reigning up in in the Arabians where we're four and five year olds, uh, our fraternity, not three year olds. One, it's, they just mature a little later. They're not as big or worse. Um, too mentally, they mature a little slower, and and you're putting a lot of heat, and you're teaching them tricks or you know maneuvers, and and that's um, that takes a lot. That they have to have a lot of. I just I don't think an error – I think Arabs are very very smart horses, and I think that sometimes they are smarter than physically able at a point, and then that all catches up as they get mature and, and all that stuff. But um, they they are smart. I will <laughs> I will. Um, and, and they're kind of emotional, you know, but a good emotion if you just take it for what it is. And, you know, I've, I've had great success with them. I have had some of my best friends or my half Arabs that I've messed with because they're just really cool horses. They're, they're into you kind of horses and, and not to say the quarter horses aren't, I just haven't had as much experience with those. And I have a quarter horse right now that I love and just what it is, but, um, they are smart. Um, they, they, yeah, I, I mean, they're really just a little bit slower maturing than uh, what what I could say with the reigning horses. You know, what a two-year-old quarter horse does and what a two-year-old Arab does is like two completely different books. You know, I mean, they're just not the same horse. Now, as they get older, they can get close, but they're just not as strong. That That is the bottom line with the half They're just not as strong. So you have to be, you know, you have to do other, they, you have to be more conscientious about other things, you know, um, taking your time in different places but they're smart i mean like teaching an arab to lead change is like one day most of the time and you're like okay okay we're on to something else you know but but they're just they're they they retain a lot of information and they are very bright horses and um some people would say they would maybe be a little bit uh quick-minded i don't i don't think that i think that's how you um address them some could be but i i think that's you could make any horse a little quick-minded so
0: yeah, I was going to say, I, I've definitely had quick-minded quarter horses. I mean, it's not, you know, exclusive to one breed, but um, I actually, I, I didn't realize that the fraternities were the four and five-year-olds for the Arabs, but I, I kind of love that because I've I've been in this industry a long time, and it, it's, it takes a lot on a three-year-old to be ready for those big shows, and those horses that are, are winning the big shows at three are phenomenal athletes, but I think there are a lot of horses that could use that extra year to mature and just learn
2: well there's and I think there's a lot there's a lot of a a mental game with a trainer preparing three-year-olds and I've never this is the first year that I've really actually tried to do a three-year-old before I thought I was trying to do one (laughs) it was it wasn't quite what I thought Um, but the mental game of those horses is a complete different the ones that are really mentally can take it if they physically can do it, you, you have a horse that can do it. The ones that falter, you know what, you're smart to listen to them and say, you know what, I don't think it's ready, you know, but also the money, the, the, the money in that and the whole deal is a whole different thing. But my thought is, you know, there's only a few people that are winning it. So take your best one and do the best job you can with it. So, um, I get the three-year-old game, but like I said, you know, I, I have prepared that before and been completely terrible this year. I have one, I have three actually. And, um, it, it's a. It's been a different, um, different process than I've ever done before. Because I mean, not only are they doing all the reining, I mean you're one-handed in the bridle, and you know, I mean it's a. It's just a completely. I was like, my wow, we got a lot to do in a very short amount of time here. So, I would say that is the one nice thing with the Arabs. We have a lot longer to um, put them in. You know, we ride them in the snaffle until they're five. They they we don't show them in the bridle until they're in the open and stuff. So it, it's just a little bit of a different. Um, so that that has been good for me. Doing the three-year-old thing this year is just making me have to execute a little bit quicker um, and and be a little bit more um, confident that I've done my job. I think sometimes with the Arabs, I can go, oh, I can I can wait or I can go back to that, you know, because I, I have I have a lot of time. Um, so that's that's probably the biggest difference I've had is me kind of, you know, me having to actually step up this year and go, okay, you got to get going. You're you're gonna fall behind. So.
0: So with the three-year-olds that you're working with now, are you planning on taking them to the NRHA fraternity or or what was your, what was your game plan with them?
2: Yep. We are, we are going to (laughs) go, we're going to go. Uh, we are, uh, we're all entered up. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's, it's, it's a different adventure for me. Um, it's something I've, I've wanted to do. I have, I have three really nice ones. Um, It's, it's the hardest thing I think is because of the Arabs, I've, I have been able to win some money, some NRHA money. So I'm actually a level three rider. Uh, So that's probably the hardest thing is I had to come in with some pretty good stock or you might as well not go being a three, you know, it's, and not to say that the other levels aren't tough, but um, that, that's the, that is the down, that's the only downside that I've had with the Arabs doing the NRHA is because I have been successful. Um, I've won some money. So I, I sit at that level three.
0: I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that would be, um, yeah, it, it definitely changes the the game plan when you, you can't rely on the level one and the two. And like you said, the level one and the two, those the horses that are winning that are just as talented as the level four horses, but it and is kind of nice.
2: And the trainers, you know, because I mean, you've got some million dollar riders that are level two riders, which is crazy, but you know, you get that extra level, it sure makes things feel a lot easier. <laughs> or at Yeah, least- and at least mentally you're like, okay, I got three chances, not two, you know, or whatever. And, um, so that's been a little bit of a, um, mind thing for me, but it's, but it's really good because I I've really reached out and gotten a lot of help this year and trying to prepare. And, and I think that, um, the help that I've gotten has helped me, um, mentally be better and that's helping me with my arabs too and and preparing like for the nationals we have the nationals in a month and and same thing you know not only am i preparing for the reigning maturity i have the nationals before that and same as people that are doing the world show so i think it's just balancing and and um you know not treating my arabs like they're three-year-old maturity horses not you know you just you just have to be careful what you get on and i think that's the biggest thing with me with my arabs is you know you get off one, you get on another. They're not the same horse. You ride them independently, and and they're good horses for it. So,
1: Well, and that kind of leads me into a question of how is the Arabian reigning different than the NRHA reigning? And what, what are the major differences? I mean, you kind of touched on the three- and four-year-old differences. But overall, for somebody maybe who doesn't know or wants to get involved in the Arab reigning,
2: you know, we have the same stuff. We have the, the amateur, we have a rookie, we have the uh, intermediate, the limited, all that stuff. Um, they have novice force, which is basically, you know, hasn't won so many blue ribbons, that kind of thing. Um, you know, we have really tried to model ourselves after the NRHA. Um, same scoring system, same um, rules, uh, all that stuff. We just are also run under USCF. So we have that supersedes the NRHA for us. But as far as the reigning, you know, and um, like at the Nationals, we have NRHA judges. So, I mean, we're, we are treated the same. And so I give those guys that come and judge us a lot of credit because they don't just penalize because we're on Arabs, you know, they, they judge that course. And I think it's, I think the one thing that we have done is we've, we've done a good job bringing the Arabs that, you know, judge them for what they are, don't penalize them because they're an Arab. They they are might look a little different, but wow, it can actually do reigning maneuvers. And and that's that's been my whole thing. The whole, like I said, is to come represent the breed well. Um and make people go, wow, I that's an Arabian. Wow. You know, and just like talking to you guys, you know, just because you don't see it and and that's very understandable. <laughs> you know, I mean I, I get what people think of an Arab. So yeah.
1: what advice would you give somebody who wants to get involved with the Arabians and maybe they're not used to that breed.
2: You know, I think, it, I think whatever you're going to ride, if it's the Arabians, the paints, the quarters, ride, ride what you want to ride. You know, I mean, I think the thing is like going to a horse trainer, if you were going to say, I want to ride raining, they're probably not going to say, Oh, well, let's get a half Arab. That's just not, you know, unless you came to me <laughs> and then that's, or other Arabian trainers, you know, cause that's what we, what we do. Um, you know, I think it just depends. Like if you have an Arabian and you want to see if it could do the working Western, find, find a trainer, you know, there's, there are tons of trainers out there. You can find them on Facebook and all sorts of places, you know, Arabian working Western trainers, whatever. And, you know, if it's something close by that you want to send your horse somewhere, where you can keep an eye on, you know, what it's doing, if it's progressing, if it's this or that, um, or maybe have a trainer come evaluate it and see, you know, see what it is and you never know. Um, somebody might like a half Arab. You you just don't know until you open that door. You know, there's plenty of NRHA guys, like you guys said, you know, Andre Fapani and um, all Bob Avila and Craig Schmerzel showed one, Tracer Gilson has. I mean they've all they've kind of done that. And you know what, I opened that door. I just said, Hey, would you mind trying one? We we really need people out here showing and and it's been good for our breed to have those people out there doing it. So I mean you I can't really say the what the right answer is but if you think you've got a working western type horse don't be afraid to call up one of those guys that you've seen and say hey this is what I have and they may say nope I don't want to do that or I don't have time for it or let's call crystal or let's call so-and-so and see what the best bet is so I, I think just I wouldn't be afraid to call somebody.
0: I, I'm, I'm so thankful that you're doing all of this for the breed and and I know it's not you and there's quite a few people I'm sure that are helping to to get this out here but it, it's so great that you were able to work with andrea and tracer and bob and and get them involved in the sport and you know yeah just bring eyes to it for people who like myself you know i i spend a lot of time in the nrha arena um but i i hadn't been exposed to a lot of the uh half arabian stuff or the arabian stuff and um but yeah i mean it, it's so cool to see what you're doing to help promote the breed and the the reigning association and um you know it's it's grown a ton within the last, what, like 15 years?
2: It really has. I mean, it's it's just kind of, it's just changed. You know, like I said, the breeding changed and they got more specific. And, um, you know, probably the best thing I did was uh, I had bought a horse from Andrea and he said, well, if you have an Arab, I'd love to show one. And he actually showed a purebred for us. And um, it was my sister's horse and it, it worked out perfect Uh, you know he won and and even if he didn't just what we got just what the Arabians got by him being there and and spotlighting hey look what's look what these horses are doing you know so um that's that's a great thing and and like I said you know don't most of these guys are willing to take a shot at it and see if they if that works and it might not be that particular Arabian won't work but another one will and and I think it's just willing it's time consuming so if they have the time to do it you know that's that's kind of the biggest thing I mean like I said with me being right here it's really nice because I can um juggle these horses around a little bit so like Martin Mjolstetter showed a horse for me last year and um I would just take it over there a couple times a week and then I'd take it home and ride it so it it was a good very good relationship because you know we could kind of just work together on that on that particular horse
0: so kind of going off of, I, we've we've talked a lot about the Arabians, but we haven't really talked a lot about your training philosophies and, and how you, we've talked a little bit about how you've become the trainer you are today by just working with people around you who really fit your, you know, idea and, um, and again, Scottsdale being such a great hub for all of this. But um, what would you say, like if you had to kind of explain your training philosophy or just your riding philosophy in, in a couple of sentences, how would you go about something like that?
2: You know, I think my biggest thing is I, I just, I always just rode, you know, even when I was starting out and doing this, I just rode and I just kind of, I didn't really know a whole lot when I got going. And so I just kind of did, if that makes sense. I mean, I know that's like a terrible explanation, but Part of my training is you know do what do what that horse is capable of doing you know if, if you can ask a little bit more great um there are so many things with horse training that i mean there's just so many avenues and so many ways and and the biggest thing is believing in in what you're doing i guess would be the best thing you know if, if you're trying to go from point a to point b and you've got a certain way just because you do it a little bit different than someone else does doesn't mean you're right or wrong you just have a different way of doing it that's why I always say all horse trainers do the same thing just a little different. And most of what most of what really is the difference in horse trainers is the discipline and the athlete they have. It it really, you know, I mean, some people have a whole barn full of Michael Jordans, you know, some people don't have that. And and in their and in, in their how they're doing it, they do have Michael Jordans. It just it just totally depends. So I think I think the biggest thing with horse training is you know, you kind of find your niche and, and go with it. And and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of ups and downs and you just kind of have to take those parts as, as growing with it. You know, um, like someone said the other day where well, your program and I'm like, I don't know that I have a program. I, I don't really think I, I just kind of did, you know, I didn't, I didn't have one particular program. I didn't have one thing. I just rode and and tried to make reining horses and, and it just kind of evolved. So I, I don't, that's such a weird way to say it, but that's that's what that's how it worked for me.
1: No, that that totally makes sense and, you know, I I believe that and I think that learning and doing it all that way is great. But you mentioned ups and downs throughout horse training, which we know is always a thing, but this year is 2020. What have the ups and downs been like with the pandemic and everything else that's going on? Has that Affected you and your show schedule or your training or anything like that
2: Yeah, well, this has been a just such a weird year, you know, we were lucky we we had our um, big Arabian show in February And you know, of course everybody's like oh it went off without a hitch and here we go, you know, and so Sun Circuit happened and then Cactus was gonna happen and there we went like the brakes got, you know hit so Um, No, I was really lucky. I did not lose any horses. Uh, We just rode. And um, the biggest difference with this is we had no goals. We didn't know where we were going. So all of a sudden, because that is how that is how I train horses with a goal. So I have this horse. This is my goal to do this, this and this, whether it's in two years or six months, whatever. And I think that was the biggest thing, even with my clients, with my assistants, with me, you start losing uh, what you're what your goals are. And, um, being that we do show horses, right. We're like carnies and we're used to being gone all the time. So now you have all this expendable time because We're sitting at home, you know, we didn't really shut down. We, I have an outdoor arena. Uh, we closed it down to people for about a week. And then I was just really careful when people came out and rode. Um, but I think that was the hardest thing is we kind of lost our, we lost our timing. We lost what we were shooting for. and And so not that anything really got behind, but, maybe me mentally got behind like, Oh wow, now I have seven horse shows in a row. And so that's been a little bit tricky to get, um, we started going in, we had one raining in May or June and then we went in July to an Arabian show. And then, so it's just slowly been going. We had a show in August and then we went to Vegas and now I've got another show next week, but now it's like we went from nothing for four months to, you know, the raining fraternity, our nationals, best of the West, Vegas, and the fall festival that's here fall futurity thing that's here right now and so it's just been from nothing to you know 100 percent
0: yeah the um the schedule is pretty insane this year i know with everything being like either rescheduled dates changed locations changed i mean it's like i i feel for the the trainers that were not doing anything for the first what four three months and now they're just on the road every weekend trying to get ready and we're going into the busiest season
2: exactly and and you know I I said all along I was like I would think that most of these um most of these horse shows that are the especially the age specific uh futurities that kind of stuff the cow horse futurity the rain futurity I was gonna see that that was gonna probably go I mean I thought they would try to push for that to happen just because man, you lose those three-year-olds. You know, that's what I said, my luck. I actually have a three-year-old this year and they won't have a maturity. <laughs> Um, But I was like, whatever, he'll be a four-year-old. That's not fine. He's mine. Nobody, No big, no big deal. But um, it, that was just really interesting. And then, you know, the clients, they, you know, a few of them have not come back yet. And I, I think we'll see them. And, and they've said they'll be back in the beginning of um, 2021. Um, so that's been a little bit different because my normal show string has changed. And so then I have people that maybe they had horses that were younger or whatever. Now they're, they're going to shows and my normal show string is not going to shows. So it's, it's been a little, that's been a little bit of a, um, different.
1: No, that sounds so tricky and trying to figure it all out. I am so thankful to just be a leisurely competitor during this year, because I'm sure that's so hard on horses too, to really go, especially their first year go from, you know, just, doing you know casual work and then show after show after show after show towards the end of the year i mean if that was like that from the beginning of the year that would be a little easier on them but that's got to be hard on their minds on some of them
2: well i i will say the biggest one for me is i was actually entered on custom gale in the run for a million and you know that got postponed four times and then You know, so that horse from November when I entered, we were like preparing, you know, it was schooling and practicing. And, you know, I was like, I think he thought, what happened? (laughs) What what are we doing? What are we getting ready for? So, um, you know, finally, when that last thing said, hey, we're canceling the run for a million, I think, you know, he had a month off because – I, we I just was always you know every it was changing it was from one month and then I was like okay get a little bit of time off and then okay it's gonna be now April and I was like oh my gosh now we're gonna get okay now that show moved to May okay now that shows disappeared so we're gonna have the qualifier here so that was really I would say for me and I said that with that horse when finally they made the decision I was like oh my gosh I'm sure he is just like what has happened this year because we were I mean I was riding a half hair but I was gonna be ready so we were practicing and schooling and, you know, getting ready. So uh, that, that would be where I saw it the most with a particular horse was that.
0: Oh, that makes me so bummed. I, I was like looking forward to going to the run for a million and strictly for myself because I didn't want to work. I just wanted to go and watch super cool horses. And like I said earlier, I'm getting involved in the cow horse. And so I'm like, I was so excited to see Raining and cowhorse all in one weekend. And I would have loved to see you show, um, custom gale, not only because I've written about him a couple of times and I've talked to the owners, I've talked to you. And, um, so it'd be really cool to see him in person, but, uh, it would have just been really fun to see you compete, especially as a female in a very male dominated sport. I always love seeing the women in events like the run for a million. So hopefully it, next year, is that, is that still a goal or is,
2: I would love, I'd love to do it. I, I mean, you know, uh, part of me is like, I want to do it. And part of me is like, no, I don't want to do it. So, um, but I like, I, you know, just preparing anytime you're going to up your game and you can prepare with and ride with those type of horse trainers and showmen, it's only going to make you better. So, um, my thought was I'm a woman. I want to do it. Um, I have this really cool half air with a different breed so I have a whole breed behind me and let's go try to do it you know what's at least put a good showing and let people see a great horse. you know that was that was my thing. Can I go win it? That would be really hard but I would sure give it a I give it a go and probably have a great time doing it maybe not but I would afterwards have a great time. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, just the experience of being able to go would just be like a once in a lifetime, so cool thing to be able to do. And then like Nicole said, being a woman and being a woman on a half Arab just to showcase, showcase it all, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you have any other future goals and plans? Uh, What does it look like for you and the Arabian breed as you go forward?
2: You know, I just, I, I want to keep doing the, um, the futurity stuff and making nice horses, uh, and young horses that go on and, and, uh, become nice amateur horses. That's, that's really what my whole deal is that, uh, that every horse I probably ride, um, will end up being an amateur horse. And I'm cool with that because that's what, you know, that's what it's all about for me. Um, and, um, you know, just, just putting good horses out there and, like I said, you know, representing the breed and, and me getting better and, um, just, just doing it. I don't, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I really can't, it's hard. Cause every year I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do this a couple more years and I'll be done. And I don't know, I don't have anything else to do. So I might as well
0: just keep doing it. You and literally every other horse trainer. Though. <laughs> we
2: don't, I, I think yeah. it's just really terrible. We really have nothing else to do. So <laughs>
0: Um, no, but, um, yeah. I, I really appreciate you saying that, you know, you, you work with a lot of horses that go on to be amateur non-pro horses, because I think, um, we, as a, as a general sport, not just reining specific or, or Arabs or quarter horses or whatever, I think we forget about the non-pros sometimes. So I, I just, I love being able to talk about that and just, you know, remind people that like, you know, the non-pros are the ones that are are helping us grow this industry and, and have all these cool horses. And, and if you can have a good non-pro horse, I think that's, that's pretty important.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that, that's been my core of my business is, is the non-pros, you know, I, I love to have an open horse here and there, but I just, I haven't really. And I've learned how to either share the horses with them or like I said, I ride them as the charity horses and then they go on and there's nothing, there's nothing more, um, makes me happier than to see a horse that I've trained that we did good in the maturity and they've gone on and done a great, you know, done great. So, you know, that that's been a really fun, um, journey. And most of the horses in my barn, you know, we've, we've trained very, very few of them have we gone and bought, you know, so we've trained them from little guys up and that's been, um, pretty cool. And, and just the whole journey, but most, most for me is, you know, that in the end, these will be nice non-pro horses because, um, that's then, then they've got somewhere to be right. They've got a purpose. Yeah. Most horses I get aren't, aren't good. And you know, there's just not enough years and years of big shows with tons of money, like the NRHA, you know, so it's, it's great. Those guys get those horses and that's fabulous. And what an, what an awesome, you know, those are great horses, but, um, my deal is just a little bit different. I make a really good living with my non pros and I, that's a, that's a good place for me. I like, and I like to coach, so it, it works out.
1: Yeah, and I mean like Nicole said, the non-pros and the amateurs make up so much of the industry that it's it's great to have horses that are going to them. And I think that you are in such a niche place with your half Arabs and quarter horses that those people that really are seeking it out are probably, you know, a lot of amateurs and non-pros and they want those horses and they want to go have fun and be successful and I think being able to train a horse like that is something that's you know really great and those are good goals to have as a horse trainer is to help the people in the industry and not just help everybody at the top
2: no because actually the amateurs is what actually keeps us in business because they are the you know i always say that people forget about the little people and um it's not always about the big guys all the time so you got ha- you know it's 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 good it's that's what you got to do
0: sometimes Totally. Um, so where if um, if anybody wants to follow along to see how you do at the fraternity this year or just maybe get in touch with you to to learn more about how they can get involved with raining or, you know, the Arabian Association, how, where can people get a hold of you or, or see you online? Uh,
2: yeah, nowhere. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, you know, probably I I am not very good at all that stuff because I'm kind of um, not uh, really good about promoting myself at all. Um, so I, yeah, not really anywhere. Honestly, I, you know, there's a Facebook page and there's some stuff like that, but I, I just don't promote myself very good. I, I should do more and and do more for women and reigning and stuff like that. But I just, I'm a little bit, um, I just don't think anybody would call me. So I think I'm just, I'm just kind of that person.
0: You're busy training horses. I get it.
2: Horses. And I'm just not, I'm, I'm not real confident, which is a terrible thing, but I'm really a very kind of shy, not confident person. So,
1: well, we're here to help promote you because we think that you are super fantastic, Crystal, and you should be confident because you do great things and we love you at Horse and Rider. So, and our audience really adores you. So thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, no problem. Anytime. I appreciate you guys uh, calling me and, and uh, helping me figure out how to get this going. So,
1: Thank you, Kosa Quinn, for bringing us this episode of The Ride. Thank you guys for tuning into The Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at
0: horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at aimmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be
1: sure to leave us a review on iTunes. How many stars, Michaela? Five stars, please.